Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Again, very happy you could join me for this episode. Um, So yeah, browsing through the news, um, sometimes you come across one of those little items that just, it makes you think. And it makes you focus on your experience. It makes you think about what's going on in the rest of the nation. It makes you consider a whole lot of different things in the world of health and safety. And if you haven't seen this or heard about it, um, PBS Frontline, along with the Tampa Bay Times, did a exclusive um, look uh, from a investigative journalism and a very, very good piece of writing uh, back from the very end of March. Uh, and I just happened now to come across it and started reading it, read through it, watched some of the videos. And so the focus was in Tampa, Florida, and it was a company. They recycle batteries, car batteries, and their goal is to extract the lead and to basically repurpose it. So they, they crush the batteries. It's a smelting because you have to heat it up. You make the liquid and then you form it and then you resell it. Great sounding service. And when you go to their webpage, it's um fantastic look at like, how do we recycle? How do we protect How do we do things? But the investigation was about just how poorly that they are containing their byproduct uh, or even containing one lead and then everything around it, especially the air monitoring and respiratory protection program that should come along with that. And the report is very, very um, telling And being experienced in the health and safety field, this has made me feel and think about so many things. So first of all, if you get a chance, you can do any search engine and you can look up Tampa Bay Times uh, and just the word lead. It'll show up. Um, If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. Read it on your own. Take a look at that. Um, From there, though. I do want to talk about a number of things that came with it. And, you know, I'll also post the link on my blog in the comments section. So if you're listening to the podcast um, through my blog, you can just look in the comments. I will have a link there. Because, again, some very good work, some very good journalism here um, by this team at the Tampa Bay Times, um, talking to people and going through it. And this, the pictures and the video of just these piles and piles of dirt and dust, and it's not dirt, it's lead. Now, in the safety field, when you know anything about lead, it's, um, 
a very interesting chemical compound, a very interesting way that it affects the body, a very interesting way that it, it can do things to the body that should not happen, should not be a heavy metal in the body. And as much as I was trying to look at both sides of the story, this does not look good for this organization. It, it just looks very poorly. They also reflect very poorly in the local OSHA offices and how that the reaction to things that happened um, were not there. That there was very, what movement was there didn't happen. And it's been a very, almost five years since the last inspection that didn't really yield that much from it. So I do want to take time during this podcast and talk about not only what this article says, but a lot about, so what, what is it psychologically that created this? What are the systems that are in place? And let's look at both sides of it, because setting in the chair of a safety person. And I'm sure if you're a safety person or anyone that's had responsibility for it, you feel that there are the times where, you know, you're trying to do the right things and you're pushing and you're doing, and you're doing a lot of great things, but it never seems like it's enough. And people point fingers and get angry at you because you haven't done enough. And it's demoralizing and it hurts and it's sad. And I've been there and I've felt that. And, you know, that that's a tough time for the safety manager. But there are also times where um, <laughs> some safety people have the title, but they're not doing their job. And it's both sides. And it's really hard to tell here because, I mean, the journalism part of it is very, very slanted. But the facts of it are very, very true. Well, they've put a lot of work into this. So anyway, it starts off talking about these 12-hour shifts and the smelting. So, I mean, it's hot lead. They talk about the injuries that just from hot molten lead where something has clogged up and they send people in with poles and, and, and shovels and all of a sudden it just releases and hot dust rains down on people. Or there's backsplashes that come out of the furnaces and, and spray people, which is wild. And so when this organization bought this older company to take it over and to improve it, around the same time, the EPA was rolling out new standards for air emissions. So what happens when you're designing this facility? Sure, you need these environmental protections to assure that one, you're venting to protect your people inside the building, but that it scrubs. And when it goes out the building, it's clean and it's not polluting. So these new regulations come into effect for the EPA. And so what it appears from this article is that when they, they redid the facility and essentially they encapsulated the old facility kind of in a new facility to kind of start it off. So when the equipment didn't work as well as it should have, it just basically kept the pollution inside the facility. Now, they, from an EPA standpoint, an air emission standpoint, they were meeting their needs. They met the goal. And so now all this lead, all this dust, all this sulfur dioxide and other chemicals that come from this process are left in the building. And so the company, what really got me on their webpage, though, that shocked me a little bit was that when you go there, they talk about safety on their webpage. Well, a lot of companies do. Our people are the most important, but they put on there that, oh yeah, we pay for all the PPE for our team. Well, good for you. That kind of disturbed me a little bit because that's the law. There's nothing special about you buying PPE for your team. That's just the law. That's like saying, hey, 
we don't let people go into moving equipment. Well, good for you. You're not supposed to do that. So right there, I kind of have a little bit of a flavor of something that I'm not happy about from reading that because, okay, great. You're doing your duty under law. That doesn't really, shouldn't be something you're bragging about. Um, but what's interesting is there's two facilities. There's the one in Florida and there's one in Minnesota. And according to the article, the one in Minnesota is 180 degrees different, super clean, super compliant, um, lead levels in the air that are multiple, multiple, multiple times lower than what they're having in Florida. And the benchmark system, like, okay, well, how can you be so off that you have one fantastic, well-built, really highly compliant system, clean, and versus another one? And that's where you get into a little bit of when you start reading this and you start looking at some of the facts, it's a little concerning. And it's more than a little concerning. It really is very, very upsetting to see the working conditions and what was happening and what is still potentially happening inside this facility. And so I want to talk more about what is going on and how that affects some of the psychology within some of the safety that we've talked about before. So I'm going to have some more podcasts. I'm going to talk about this article from the Tampa Bay Times coming up in just a moment. You've got a friend in the safety business. Who wants to help your team work safer? The safety dude. Who wants to help your leadership engage through safety? Again, the safety dude. Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting, where he is ready to focus on your team's safety. www.tsdamalgamated.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So we're talking about this article from the Tampa Bay Times about this lead recycling facility. And one of the people that they interviewed said it best, that it's sometimes so people wonder, like, where was OSHA when all this lead dust is in the air and the respirators are getting overwhelmed? Like the respirators can't even, they have air purifying full face and half face respirators that they've given out they are ultimately rendered ineffective almost immediately because of so much dust in the air. Like they were showing that it wasn't even effective anymore, that it was just full. And that's the thing about an air purifying respirator is that it's purifying the air. It's pulling the particulate out of the air. If it gets full, okay, you're done. You got to switch it. But what if it's almost immediately? That's not good. So, of course, OSHA had been called in a few different times. And the article is not very favorable toward that either. Basically saying when they came in, either one, the company was given significant lead time to know they were coming. Or they monitored for the wrong chemical one time. They put on chemical devices and monitored for not the chemical they should have been monitoring for. 
And in other cases, they claimed that they monitored in the wrong locations, that they weren't even in the areas of high concern. And actually, the, the Tampa Bay Times went and tried to find the OSHA officials and interview them. I feel, uh, I feel off about that because usually your frontline OSHA inspectors are being directed in some form or fashion by a much higher up and even influenced by the politics of the city, influenced by the politics of the county or the state or, or even further. And that can, that's tough. And one of the people said that, look, when we had that advanced knowledge, we would do a deep clean of the areas. We would make sure it was fully clean. That way they, they couldn't find anything. And that all the employees would participate in this huge cleaning event because they knew that if OSHA found too much, they could be closed. And there's the, the double side to it. People will choose to have a job before they choose safety. And so you wonder, why do people work there? Why is OSHA not doing more? And it's because of the importance of creating jobs that we're willing to sacrifice safety for jobs. And it should not be the situation where it's and or, or, or it should be and we can have good jobs and we can do them safely. It has to be that we have to think about that way. So they would clean it and they would be prepared and people were choosing to do that because it was a good paying job. So you think about a community and I've actually had an OSHA official tell me this once before at a company I was helping turn around. They said, you know, we would have closed your uh, company a couple of years ago for all the safety violations, but it'd been bad for the county and lose all those jobs. We couldn't, we didn't want to be the bad guys and uh, shut down a company that had a lot of employment because that would be bad. Makes a valid point. So when OSHA doesn't do enough, we point fingers and say, hey, you're not doing enough. When they close a facility because of safety issues, we get angry because they've stopped people from having good paying jobs. Oh, why does it have to be that way? And that's tough. The other thing is that this organization would hire people who normally couldn't get a high paying or well paying job. So someone said, you know, I endured it because it provided me a job. I couldn't make that much money anywhere else. I couldn't even get interviews anywhere else. Uh, and so they were praying, and that's what it felt like to me, is they were praying upon a very vulnerable part of the population, putting them into an unsafe situation, and essentially clapping them down with the golden handcuffs, and saying, look, you're not going to find a better paying job. You better just accept the fact that you're going to be here, and that you're going to need to figure it out. They even had a bonus system based on how much lead was in your blood. Whoa. What? Another thing that kind of bothered me very much so. So the bonus system, they paid out bonuses based on the fact that if when you did your blood test, that if you were under their limits of of lead, you would get an extra you would get extra pay and pretty good pay evidently from what it says. So the team would donate blood or they would go through and try to rid themselves of heavy metals through taking medication to reduce their blood lead blood levels before the testing. My goodness, they would even post the names of people with high blood levels. So high lead blood levels be posted in the break room, their names. No, my goodness. So we have this socioeconomic issue. We've taken people who are vulnerable. 
We've put them in a situation where they have to choose between good paying, so food, water, shelter, or safety. Think of Maslow's hierarchy. We're choosing food, water, shelter. We're then even paying them more to be almost to fight the system, the the reactive metric. We're going to make sure that we do that. We're going to have some sort of good agreement with the city or the county or OSHA to help us. Or we're going to blatantly like not let OSHA see the truth. And that's possible too. Because if an OSHA official, they see so many things, they don't know a lead recycling process. They're reliant on the internal people to show them the truth. And so I wonder if there's not some criminal charges here at some point of just flat out lying and saying, oh yeah, this is the place you need to be. When truthfully, they weren't even near the area they should have been. They also hired consultants that told them that they had issues. And that doesn't look good either. And so it's really hard for me to look at the side of this organization in this area, especially when you look at the discrepancy between the two locations. One location doing fantastic, one location and just not in a good situation at all. And they also talk about that the the issue, like they didn't do a lot of training on taking it home. So these workers are going home with lead dust just all over them. Maybe they shower before they go home. Maybe they don't. There's no testing to see how they look or how they go. They can take that home and, and track it through. And that contaminates family or children. And certainly when you're the lead volume, the metals are going to affect someone with a lot less blood volume, a lot less mass, faster. And so it put it harm families, potentially. And when I think about that, that is completely against everything I've stood for in my career as a safety professional. And I know there has got to be a separate side to this because... Certainly, I I would hate to think that there's an organization out there that is doing these types of things, but it does not look positive at all based on the bonus system, based on the way that it was paid, based on the way that they're bragging about things that are just legally required. And you look at this multiple system failures that creates this system where we have to choose between working safe and having a good paying job unacceptable we should have the right and that's ultimately what osha was created for to create that system to where we should be able to work safe and those workers out there and those safety professionals out there probably i'm I'm sure you're listening (laughs) we're doing that we're doing our very best to turn that around and that situation is sad So I'm glad about the journalism. I'm glad this was brought up. I'm sad that it wasn't just fixed and that we still see articles like this appearing. And I encourage you to read it. So as we conclude this episode of the podcast, I want to thank you again for listening. I want to encourage you to go out and read this article. Leave me a comment or something, what you thought about it. Love to hear your opinion. And until next time we chat, stay safe.
Thanks for listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the web at www.thesafetydude.org. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.